0: You're listening to Bell Book and Candle with Mela Borowski. Thoughts from a Southern Witch. Should have studied witchcraft. Should have learned to ride a broom. So me and my black cat could fly through the skies underneath the moon. Hey, y'all. I'm Mela Borowski. And you're listening to Bell, Book, and Candle. Thanks for being here. I am so excited that we've got Claire Ford back with us. She gave us so much great information back in February of this year, 2021. And I cannot wait to hear what she's got for us today. Claire is an author, speaker, coach, healer, tutor, and parent who is passionate about ensuring that children are switched on learners, accessing their natural gifts, abilities, and talents to unlock their true potential and live purposefully. As an empowering education expert and award-winning well-being entrepreneur, Claire combines her unique skill set to support families around the world, Her passion and enthusiasm to get children and young people motivated in learning has been the catalyst for developing the clever and quantum curricula in her global online academy switched on.
1: Welcome back, Claire. Hey, Mella, it is lovely to be here again chatting with you. Thank you for inviting me back. Absolutely. I was so
0: excited when you said you wanted to come back on Bell, Book and Candle. But before we get to the reason that you wanted to come back and speak to us, how have you and
1: Switched On Academy been since last we chatted? Yeah, we have been good. We've been expanding. We've been developing new courses. Uh, You know, I've been getting my downloads. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And our community has been growing. So that's been really lovely. And of course, Over here in the UK, we've had lockdown lifting a little bit, Uh, so it's been really nice to have contact with my students again face-to-face, you know, albeit with various parameters in place. Um, So I've now got a hybrid of online learning, face-to-face learning and group learning, which is really, really nice. That's awesome. So I want to ask you about your academy. So was there
0: some sort of specific aha moment that was the impetus to start Switched On Academy?
1: Yeah, I think what it was was that um, obviously I've been in the teaching space for, you know, near on two decades now, and I am just so sick of kids being tested, 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 being marked up against their grades, comparing each other. What group are you in? What group are you in? There is of course a reason for assessment, but it's not just like I always say to kids, you're not defined by just your grades. You know, you are more than your grades and it's about this kind of educating parents as, as well around that. And I feel that with this new, you know, with COVID, with lockdown, certainly what I've noticed here in the UK, and this may be the same in the States, is that really it was very interesting because some of the children who were at what were considered top schools, good schools, whatever you want to call them, with lockdown, those schools didn't necessarily get their act together in delivering quality online learning when the children couldn't go to the schools and so it became a bit of a postcode lottery in the sense of how good was the school pivoting in order to support the needs and the emotional and the educational development of the children that they're serving through lockdown and so what parents began to realise was that you couldn't just put all your eggs in one basket and rely on the school anymore. Mm -hmm. That the parents had to take a role, they had to take a stance, they had to really open their eyes and see what was going on. And I think that for me is the catalyst of developing the Switched On Academy to really fill those gaps and to make sure that there's a certain level of equality that anybody from around the world can access these courses and make sure that their children are growing and developing not just educationally but also emotionally and spiritually as well.
0: That makes a lot of sense because I've even seen it in my own nephews where they weren't doing that great in school itself but when it switched to online one of them who was doing great in person that does terrible now online, and the other one who did terrible in person is now a straight A student, and and, and so it's really interesting to see, you know, what's going on with the different schools and how they're actually um, helping, and I think you are absolutely correct that you never really should have just relied on the school, but people did, but you cannot just rely on
1: the school to provide what's needed. That's right. I mean, one of the examples that my son gave, he's got um, a teacher, he's doing is, a-levels now, he's 17, so I'm not sure what those exams are called in the States. But obviously, you know, they're, 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 you're gearing towards the final year of school, right? So they're pretty important. Mm-hmm. And um, he had one teacher who's been working there for many, many years, quite a traditional teacher who he was, a, he's a bit autistic and he has his way of working and he has his way of getting the, the young people to revise and giving them these booklets that he writes out by hand and all the rest of it. And in the past, the students at the school have said, well, he's got a strange way of teaching us, but actually we get the grades, we pass the exams, so it works. Now, the Mm -hmm. thing is this method of teaching did not translate online. And this teacher really, really struggled with responding to emails from the students with setting the work with uploading it onto certain portals so that they could access it and everything else Mm. because he was such an old-fashioned kind of teacher with just chalk and talk and (laughs) photocopy booklets and here you go and put it in front of you and copy it out and that's what we do in the lesson and so he really struggled with his online presence of bringing the energy to the screen to make sure that he could keep his students engaged and I thought Mm. you know wow how interesting that even The teachers who would have been judged as good, in inverted commas, suddenly weren't so good anymore online. Like, we needed to even have a hybrid, not just of lessons, but a whole new way of planning, a whole new way of delivering, a whole new way of monitoring. You know, so many things had to be pivoted quickly.
0: Yeah.
1: So it really meant that families were, in a sense, at the mercy of these kind of upskilling things that were necessary, which a lot of people didn't even realize were necessary. They thought they could just carry on teaching the way they were always teaching and it fell flat and didn't work. So yeah, it was a real, I think that this pandemic has been a real game changer in lots of ways. Firstly, yeah. in the ways of, you know, families, parents taking responsibility for their children's learning. Secondly, for the old school system of chalk and talk not working, get rid yeah. of it, it doesn't work. Thirdly, for those children for understanding which is the best way for them to learn. Mm. And also knowing that just because one way didn't work for them, it doesn't mean they're not a good learner. It doesn't mean that they can't ask curious questions. It doesn't mean that they can't achieve what they want to achieve. It just means that they weren't being taught in a way that got the best out of them. It's about the teachers taking responsibility, the parents taking responsibility, and actually the students taking responsibility Mm. for making sure that they ask to get the best learning kind of environment that they thrive in. So yeah, big eye-openers all around. Absolutely. I really started
0: getting fed up. Um, Both of my children are out of high school now, but I was really getting fed up with the whole focus on taking each test, you would just learn enough to take the test, and I may have even mentioned this last time, but my um, youngest wasn't even taught how to sign their name, and I had to teach Hudson how to sign their name to get into college, (laughs) and I just think it's so crazy that you learn in so many schools just enough to pass the test to make it to the next step, and then you get to a point where you pass the test to get into college. And I just don't think that that is preparing them for life, which brings me to, have you ever heard of the purple elephant? They talk about that in business classes. Maybe they just talked about it in mine. I don't know. So if you're thinking of your business and, you know, we know that what's been done is not working. What was your kind of purple elephant to set your academy apart that nobody else was doing?
1: Yeah. So I love this question. And I love the fact that you brought up the testing. And so basically, if we just go back to testing for one second, and then I'll answer your question. Yeah, absolutely. I noticed I was just doing some research before our conversation today. And um, I found some information actually from the US, which said that in 2002, a psychological study found that over 80% of college freshmen based their self-worth on academic competence, which basically means wow. their grades, Yeah. more than their family support, their appearance, or any other single factor. Wow. Right, 80%. So we can't say to young people, grades don't matter, right? Mm-hmm. Even if we as adults truly believe, no, we just want our children to be happy, it doesn't matter what school they go to, it doesn't matter what grade they get, like right? people say that, it's not true. -hmm. Right. I'm calling out that bullshit because Mm -hmm. the grades are important if 80% of young people think they are. Right. Whether they are or not, that 80% of people think they are. And their self worth is based on that. And it is correlated with their stress, their anger, their relationship conflicts, the drug and alcohol use, Mm -hmm. the eating disorders. So we can't say, grades don't matter because the young people are defining themselves by the grades. Mm. Now, the thing is that for me, I say children are more than their grades because that allows them to say, actually, I am worried about the exam. I am worried about Mm. my grades. I say to them, okay, I can help you with that, but the grade doesn't define who you really are inside. Mm-hmm. That defines a moment in time where you showed up in the way you showed up and you did what you did and you got what you got. But that doesn't have to define who you are. And yeah. so that's how I kind of meld the two things because you can't just talk to a young person and go, oh, you know, hey, don't worry. This is an antiquated system. It's falling down anyway. Um, employers don't worry about your grades. Um, nobody worries about your grades. It's, it's a patriarchal system and it's defunct and, you know, they're going to look at you as though to go, yeah, okay, but you're right. not going to college to take the exam tomorrow. Mm. Right? So if we're going to support them with their stress, with their anxiety, with finding their, you know, switching them on to actually be excited about their future, we do have to understand that the grade thing is still a thing. It mm. is still a thing. But... Here's the thing, to answer your question, what puts my academy apart is that I also talk about their intrinsic motivation. I also talk about learning uh, in a way that is meaningful, purposeful and relevant because then you get the grades anyway, Hmm. right? And so it's not working towards the grades for the sake of the grades, but it's like if you flip it and you actually find out what the young student is interested in and you present that information in a way that is relevant and meaningful and purposeful to them, then they take control of their learning. And once they take control of their learning, they have that inward motivation that intrinsic motivation, that drive, that desire to learn. And that is what gives them the grit, the determination, the perseverance, the resilience to learn, which means that they will then get a better grade at the end of it.
0: I love that approach. Yeah, that makes so much sense. It's like some of the different ways that people have tried to teach and they didn't quite have all the tools to do it, but they wanted to teach what kids are really interested in. And, and, if, and like you're saying, grades are important. There is knowledge that's important, but you have to approach it in a way that it's not just about taking that next test I mean exactly applying it to their life and making it fun
1: and just so many different things yeah and making it relevant I mean the thing is you know I've been teaching uh GCSE maths which over here is what our students take at the ages of around you know 15 or 16 there's lots of stuff in the syllabus over here which makes no sense whatsoever and I say to the students I say look you know in in all my years since I left school never once have I had to do a simultaneous equation so the purpose for learning this simultaneous equation and how to do it is simply for you to get a few extra marks in your maths test Mm. however when we talk about compound interest that's another story because if you want to make money in your sleep this is how you do it and then there all is right yeah yeah So, let's understand about compound. And I talked to them about saving up for a car, how you can save up for a car, you can make money in your savings. Then as soon as you drive your first car, you know, out of the showroom, you're losing money on that first car, right? And so they understand Mm -hmm. about that as well. And they're like, oh, and I'm like, this kind of financial literacy, this maths, This is important. This is how you are going to make your money work for you. This is how you are going to, um, end up understanding about how to have an abundant lifestyle. This is very, very relevant. So listen carefully and we'll make sure that we do it until you get it. Because for me, I'm really doing you a favor by making sure that you get this stuff. Simultaneous equations. mm, We'll learn them, but we won't lose sleep over them. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and, and <laughs> it's about making sure that your um, young, that the young person. What I've noticed, uh, really, these last two summers, is the hopelessness that teens are feeling, especially. Mm. And so, I've done this program called Discovering Your Path for Teenagers, which enables them to look at further on down the line exactly what you were speaking into at the beginning about how you revise just enough to take one step, the you then you learn just enough to take the next step. Yeah. And this is not giving them this intrinsic motivation. This isn't enough.
0: Right.
1: Right. This is why they're getting depressed. This is why they're thinking there is no way forward. There's no reason for living. There's nothing that they can become. Mm. And so this discovering your path has really helped young people tap into the fact that they can have their own values that they can have a vision, that they're here for a purpose and that that purpose is their own. It's driven by them, not by society, not by their parents, not by their school, not by their teachers, not by their friends. It's purely up to them to carve out this path that they're on. Then they take responsibility and by taking that responsibility, they then get that motivation to study whatever it is they need to study to take not just the next step, but to see that further, bigger goal in sight as well.
0: I absolutely love that. Now over here, we got what we call book learning. And one thing that I've always loved ever since I was looking at your school, your academy, is that it's not just about the book learning. So tell us about what else you offer besides just the book learning classes.
1: Yes, exactly. So, well, this is why I've got the, um, the core curriculum, which is, of course, you know the book learning that's the book learning learning. yep (laughs) but that's just the very small piece of the pie right because Mm. we have the clever curriculum which is where we're doing things like this discovering your path which is Mm. more about building the emotional literacy You know it's giving young people um courses in confidence um it's talking about um you know time management about health it's talking about you know your place in the in the wider world and the impact that you can have even as a young person becoming an entrepreneur at young age um, you know understanding the environment understanding these bigger issues and i call that the clever curriculum because for me understanding those things and having emotional literacy and raising your emotional quotient is more clever than just getting an A star. Do you have any
0: tips for the people who are now kind of transitioning as we're kind of coming to the end of everything going on and they're transitioning from maybe being online for the past year and a half or however it's been to school now? What
1: can parents do to help that transition? Yeah, that's a really good point because social anxiety among our young people is absolutely through the roof. Mm-hmm. And I think the first thing that we need to do, and in fact, I've got a workshop coming up for, um, for young people going into the secondary school, um, which is, you know, when they're sort of 11 and 12, year seven, we call that over here. Mm-hmm. So starting secondary school with a smile because obviously their last year of primary school has been online, as you say. Mm-hmm. And it's like... Yeah. You know, I was talking to a grandparent the other day whose grandson I've been tutoring. And I said, you can't just kick him out the door and say, get on with it. Because Mm. even going on a bus is scary now. And seeing people with the masks on on public transport is scary. It's weird, right? Yeah. You know, it's not the same as taking him on the bus to practice. Like, it's really, we've really got to understand that social anxiety is like a thing right? And even even for the most extrovert people, I mean, I'm, I'm quite an introvert and I haven't minded not having to go to lots of things. Right? <laughs> Me either. <laughs> but um, I was talking to a friend of mine who's a hairdresser and she's always been life and soul of the party. You know, her 50th got cancelled. She was gutted. Uh... You know, and so I said to her the other day, I said, Jo, you must be so excited, you know, that things are opening up again. I said, I bet your diary's already full. And you know what? <laughs> Even she said no. She said, I'm actually taking a bit easy, she said. I'm just seeing what's happening. Mm. I'm, I'm taking it slow. And I'm like, wow, if one of these big Aries fire sign <laughs> extroverted people are taking it slow, yeah, like what hope is there for the water signs? Do you know what? Right. If you're if your child or young person is quite a sensitive empathic person you know or maybe on the spectrum and and the noises are too much and the the crowds are too much you really have to take this into consideration as the parent it isn't just kick them out with the coat with the bag get on with it i'll see you back at four o'clock five o'clock no I think we really have to and it's not kid gloves it's not helicopter parenting it is a completely different scenario where they've literally been shielding socially for a year and a half
0: Mm.
1: like we can't go don't talk to strangers stay away from other people and then suddenly go get on a bus get on a train and go to a new school yeah that's scary really scary yeah my advice really is is compassion. It's mm. gently. What I said to this uh, this grandparent I was talking to, I said, I said, maybe have a hybrid approach, you know, maybe buy the bus fare. I know it's a lot, but you know, just do it for a couple of days and then meet them for a couple of days. Mm. You know, have one day maybe where you meet them a bit later so they've got to hang out with their friends for a bit, or they've got to hang out in town for a bit, and you just meet them half an hour later, like stagger it. Do it step by step. Don't necessarily throw in at the deep end. Just be like day on, day off, two days on, two days off, you know, comfort of the car and then excitement of the bus kind of thing. So I think that that is really, really important because, and it's also important to be honest and transparent and say to them, do you know what? I'm not looking forward for me here in the UK. I'm not looking forward going into London to meet friends. I do not want to get on a train and go into a big city. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. So why should I expect my my kids to be like, yay, fantastic?
0: <laughs> yeah, right? yeah.
1: My son's got to go to university in London. He yeah. has some days on, some days off because university is not necessarily all day long. But you know, you're still walking around there. You you know, there are pockets where they're saying on the news there's higher rates than elsewhere, and it's like, yeah. oh my goodness. And even the trains and things aren't running that well because. They haven't had a full service for a year and a half. Yeah. You know, then your, your, your kids standing around at the station, the train doesn't come. What do they do? Yeah. You know, it's hard. Yeah. So I think it's about even doing the journey with them. Do the journey with them a few times if you can. And just be like, actually, this is your reality now. Yeah. Let's see what it feels like. So it's that. And also from a friendship point of view, another thing just to let you know, Pamela, is that What's so weird? Cause I said to my son, when schools opened up here, I said, Oh, you must be so excited. You're going back to see your friends. Like you've just been conversing with them on Snapchat, whatever. And now you can actually talk to them and see them. And he was all excited. He's like, yeah, it's going to be great. So a few days in, I'm like, right, Oscar, how's it going? And, uh, he's like, oh, he said, do you know what, Mum? He said, it's really hard. I'm like, why? He said, because none of us have got anything to talk about because mm. none of them have done anything. Oh, wow so you're like oh you know what did you do nothing <laughs> like <laughs> uh okay um and then what do you say and so he said he's actually taken to chatting with people that he doesn't know very well
0: hmm. in
1: order to make the conversation last a bit longer over the lunchtime. wow i never even thought of that yeah like small talk is dead Oh right? uh, yeah so if if we're trying to say to our young people Yeah, go back to school, you know, make conversation with your friends, you know, get on the bus, have fun, catch up. They are absolutely dreading all those things. Those things that we as adults are thinking this is going to be great for them. They're going to be socializing again. My son said his school's never felt so toxic. Wow. Wow.
0: That's a lot to think about and that's a lot of great advice and parents need to know that because they don't always ask their kids those
1: questions. No, and I would never have thought it. Like, I was like, it's going to be great. He's going to be seeing his friends. Yeah, yeah. his independence. Like, it's going to be so much fun and it's taken, you know, as I say, for even the most extrovert and kind of grounded and confident kids, mm-hmm. even they're struggling. So what hope is there for everyone else? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow. Now, before we started recording,
0: you were talking to me a little bit about what you've seen with a a lot of boys recently.
1: Do you wanna talk about that a little? Yeah, it's just an observation and uh, really something that just came to me today. Um, And I I thought it, it was interesting and worth noting, which was that, I seem to be uh, working with a lot more autistic boys. Now, Mm. often girls aren't diagnosed with autism and ASD till later on anyway. They seem to Mm. kind of cope with it a bit better. So in and of itself, that's not a particularly unusual statistic. But what I've noticed is that it seems that these boys need to have a really different classroom environment than the environment that they would be getting in a mainstream school. And what I mean by that is they need to have I don't know if it's that they're more like slightly high vibration, mm-hmm. slightly spiritually attuned in a different way. I don't know if it's because they're picking up things in a different way and more intuitive, but they need a lot calmer approach. And and when I've been teaching boys over the last 20 years, it, they've always been very physical. Rufty, tufty, tearing there <laughs> and everywhere, yeah. you know, dinosaurs, trains, hammering, like not wanting to sit down and, mm-hmm. and work. But of course, during lockdown, if work has been online, they've had to sit down more. But these boys have really needed, they've needed obviously to run around as well. But I've been putting on, you know, very calming, quite high vibrational frequency music, actually, thinking about mm-hmm. it. You know, for the theta waves, the delta waves, you know, and doing things like coloring, which is quite um, a zen thing to do because mm-hmm. you can let your mind wander without having to necessarily concentrate on what you're doing. And I've noticed a distinct kind of musicality, you know, a, a, a liking, a repetitive kind of rhythm. Uh, that they can hear through the music so it's almost like even if you had kind of shamanic drumming on in the background you know the autistic boys really find that calming and it means that they can focus well autistic children can really focus I mean gosh when they get into something you can't get them to stop but yeah it helps them to just stay grounded somehow and calm and it's a different approach in teaching that i've not used before i've always used nice music and i've always used sort of a calming atmosphere but i've really noticed it and this this isn't something that you would get in classrooms you can't walk into a mainstream classroom 30 kids and put on shamanic drumming i mean i've done that (laughs) i have done that when i've been doing like the incas or something do you know what i mean but yeah like I've actually had drum circles in the class, which was so much fun. But I don't know any other teacher who's done that, if I'm honest. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, they need what I'm saying, I think, is that there's they're on a different vibration. I'm yeah. noticing kids are on a different vibration. I can say that on your podcast because I know your listeners are going to understand what I'm talking about. Yes,
0: I have noticed a lot of highly sensitive children. And a lot of times, and even when I teach the class about the the rainbow and crystal, and and I'm an indigo child, so about the the new vibrational children coming in, yeah, I even say a lot of times they will be diagnosed with autism because yeah. that's part of the, their sensitivities. Yeah, and so I think it's really interesting that you're. You're right there in the thick of it and you're seeing these sensitive children, these psychically sensitive, higher vibration children coming in and they see the world in a different way and they need certain things. So any of the parents or grandparents or or teachers that are listening, you know, it's good to be aware of these higher vibe kids to know, yeah, maybe I should put on the drumming. Maybe I should put on... Uh, something that's going to be a little more calming and do some activities that
1: maybe 10 years ago wouldn't have gone over well maybe they'll go over well now that's right and also I think it's about uh, autistic children I mean I'm teaching several highly functioning autistic children which means that they're very very bright it's also about giving them choice and consistency Mm. they love this consistent approach which Not so long ago in teaching, I felt like I was a bit of a performing monkey. Like it had to be all singing, all dancing, rattles, you know, this and that, and colors Mm -hmm. and balloons and PowerPoints and rah, rah, rah. Like I've kind of, I've kind of, although I'm stepping out of the old paradigm, I've kind of gone back to, okay, let's just start the lesson like this every time. And they love it. Like literally Mm -hmm. these kids are now running in, you know, they're not even yeah. saying goodbye to their mothers at the door. They're like, can I wait to get started. Wow. You know, and it's like, okay, so th- this is what you get rewarded for. Th- these are the expectations. And we, mm. re- re- we repeat, you know, our switched on learning kind of mantra at the beginning of every lesson. And then they start the lesson in the same way each time. And they have the same music, which triggers subconsciously the yeah. same behavior oh yeah right so yeah. they're like oh so when I'm listening to this music this is when I'm doing my writing when I'm listening to this music this is when I'm doing my maths mm-hmm. you know, or this is when I'm doing my creative stuff and so they they used it and they love that and it's almost like it sounds weird but it's almost like non-teaching mm-hmm. like it's getting to a stage where I guess I don't know it's not laying the ground rules as such but it's it's having such, such a sort of high vibrational, consistent approach, that it's almost like telepathically, they know what to do next. They go for this piece of, they go for that piece of paper. And I love it because autistic children don't like small talk. I yeah. tried at the beginning to do, oh, you know, so how was your weekend? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and they're like, Can we just go on with the work? Okay.
0: <laughs> that, that's so interesting because telepathy is one of those things that I have noticed and read about in these highly sensitive children. They actually have the capacity to be telepathic.
1: Yeah, I truly believe that this is coming soon. I do. And um it takes a very brave parent, I think, to like, you know, what your kid's like at home, and, and that's what you're like, and that's what you're like, and that's how you live, and that's fine. But then when your child starts going into mainstream schooling and you have that whole compare and despair and the conversations in the playground and they're like oh my god they're great and they're not this and they're not that and suddenly they're off yeah. the scale on one thing and then they can't even get out of the starting blocks on another thing and then it's mm-hmm. oh my goodness and then the school and the letters home and da, da 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 oh yeah it takes a very brave parent to be able to take their child out of mainstream schooling and go do you know what we're gonna we're going to do this our way we're going to find a way when people apart from us now aren't <laughs> necessarily happy to say maybe these things are because your child is actually on a higher vibrational plane mm, yeah yeah you know and and best will in the world you know a classroom teacher with 30 29 other children they don't care about high vibrational planes they no. just got through the next 25 minutes Absolutely, and I've been there, so I'm happy to put my hand up and go. That was me, <laughs> right? <laughs> right, because you know you got you got to all survive in that environment. There's no high vibration or anything. You're like right, get this done. The learning objective has got to be up on the board for when the teacher shows the Ofsted inspector around. Kids have got to be sitting learning, and you don't yeah. want to have those kind of shamanic drumming and right. you want, you know, like no, that doesn't work. That doesn't help anyone in mainstream schooling. Yeah. It's very difficult. And I think that actually almost if we were to forward wind 20, 20 years, let's try and do that. Right. Mm. And that would mean that these seven and eight year olds that I'm teaching now are almost in their thirties. So they're potentially yeah. young leaders, they're potentially yeah. running companies or, yep. or creating products that we can't even fathom yet. Right because their brains work in such a way. I mean, the way this boy sees numbers is incredible. Wow. Right, he's so fast. I have to flick through loads of different methods in my head to go, how's he working that out so I know how to talk to him about it?
0: Mm.
1: And uh, it's like, wow, okay, that's really quick. Like, how's he done that? So goodness knows what these young people are gonna be capable of
0: yeah yeah it, it's gonna be incredible and I hope I'm here around to see it and even cool. even my own child who is now 22, they are junior in college and they are crystal so they're kind of still that old soul but still a higher vibration totally different from my other child and I just can't wait to see what Hudson is going to do out in the world. Yeah and 20 years from now yeah that'll be in
1: the 40s so maybe yeah. a leader. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's going to be amazing, I think, what some of these children are going to actually, you know, do and become and what they're capable of. Yeah. And it's about allowing that. It's about allowing those differences and, you know, acknowledging these things as skills, as attributes, as something to be celebrated You know, rather than something to be ashamed of or embarrassed of or whatever. Absolutely. Well, use these skills to your advantage and let's really make sure that this is something, you know, which which we can we can see working for you in the future.
0: share with you something from the book Beyond the Indigo Children the New Children and the Coming of the Fifth World by P.M.H. Atwater LHD and in this book it talks about the seven types of intelligence and learning styles that teachers must account for in planning lessons and these are linguistic intelligence which is highly developed auditory skills logical mathematical intelligence which is conceptual reasoning spatial intelligence just thinking in images and pictures musical intelligence sensitive and responsive to musical sounds bodily kinesthetic intelligence which are fine motor skills body oriented interpersonal intelligence which is understanding and enjoying people very intuitive and intrapersonal intelligence, which, which is a deep awareness of an inner world, very reflective. So of these seven types of intelligence and learning styles, which of these are you? Which of these are the children in your lives? So you must have really seen some great success stories through this academy and you know with your background and everything can you share any like really
1: amazing success stories yeah i can give an example probably one of the easiest examples to give of how it's important to have these three levels in place um you know the core the clever and the quantum level Mm -hmm. or you know the iq the eq and the sq is um, if I take one of my students, Mia, so she was 15, she came to me. Her mum sent her, actually, to improve her maths. And like many young people, she wasn't confident in maths at all, right? Mm-hmm. And so she's like, oh, she's doing these important exams. You need to get her grades up, her levels up, and and all the rest of it. So I'm like, fine, you know, she can come for GCSE maths. So, of course, Mia, she's she's old enough. She, she, she walked to my house, and um, I took one look at her, and I saw that she was literally shaking like a leaf. And I'm like, mm. OK, this isn't just about the maths. <laughs> mm. So using my intuition and my empathic skills and my experience, I said to her, you know, thank you so much for coming. I can tell that you've been really, really brave just to walk to my house. And, I, and this is before she even got in the door. Mm. And I said, I acknowledge you for that. I, I acknowledge you for your courage, for being here and for asking for help. Right? That's before she walked through the door. She was like, oh, wow, like amazing. She was like, <laughs> oh, thank you. Like, you know, and so then she <laughs> came in and then and then that's when the floodgates opened and she was literally telling me about panic attacks, about how she'd sat in the classroom for five years crying at the back of the class because mm. she couldn't do her maths and she was too afraid to put her hand up to ask for help. Mm. She was too afraid of the public humiliation by people thinking she was stupid. and then it led on to the anxiety and the panic attacks and the self-harm and the eating disorders and the suicidal tendencies this is before any maths has happened this Mm -hmm. is in the first 45 minutes of of the first time of meeting her right so so the point is we can't do any maths (laughs) right when somebody's feeling like that we don't do maths so i said to okay Let's, let's handle the panic attacks first. That's something I can give you a strategy for right now, you know, which I call rectangular breathing. And I showed her this rectangular breathing and we practiced it and she did that. And she was like, oh, actually I do feel a bit better. And I said, so you can do this anytime. You know, and then we talked about other things and we talked about confidence and, you know, how 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 she could be confident. It's it's not like you are confident or you're not confident. Right. Mm-hmm. And we talked about all these things. So we did. We had the whole first hour actually about emotional literacy, about emotional intelligence. Didn't even open the maths book. <laughs> Forget the maths. Right. Yeah. And I talked to her about the brain and about cortisol and adrenaline and noradrenaline and all of this, serotonin and, and the frontal lobes and, and, you know, the hippocampus and all of this. So she understood when she's in fight, flight, freeze, what's happening. Mm. And she's like, oh. And then after that... We started the maths on the second lesson, the third lesson, the fourth lesson. By the fifth lesson, she's like, oh my goodness. She said, I don't believe it. She said, we did a math test. I was like, oh, how did it go? She said, <laughs> I wasn't in the bottom of the class. She'd always been in the top bottom two. She got mm. like 5%, 10% in tests. She wow. said, I wasn't in the bottom of the class. I said, what did you get? She said, 40%. Wow. This is somebody who used to get 10%, right? Yeah, that's amazing. And i said wow i said so how do you feel she said my teacher can't believe it he says have i had a brain transplant oh no (laughs) right so so now little by little the confidence is coming
0: Mm. and then
1: i was showing her i said well you're not necessarily born knowing all this maths you know it's okay to make a mistake so then the growth mindset comes the failing forward the having a go anyway the using what you do know and applying it all that then happens yeah. and then her grades go up and then she's then she's coming to me saying can you help me with this can you help me to revise can you help me with the tight timetable then she's feeling empowered she wants to take control of her other things then so seeing this this young girl blossom was amazing and then here's the other thing. Because we then had some time and space to do the maths. And I always get to know, like I said at the beginning, what's the driving force? What's this young person's big vision, right? Mm. Who are they actually here to be, right? It's not just about these simultaneous equations. We all know that. And she wants to be a midwife, right? Now, synchronicity or not. I have written a book called How to Have a Positive and Empowering Pregnancy. Oh, wow because I used to be a pregnancy coach. Okay. And so I was like, oh my goodness. (laughs) I know loads of midwives. I know loads of people in the pregnancy space. Like, this is amazing. And so she looked at this book and here's the thing, Mela, she is, uh, you know, she's one of the light workers. She was Mm -hmm. reading all this stuff and she was saying, yeah, I know, I know how a mother's mindset is gonna affect the baby in the womb. Wow. And and so I was showing her, The the miracles in water, Dr. Remoto's miracles in water and all of Mm -hmm. that. We were talking about all of that. We were talking about epigenetics. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. You know, this is a 15 year old who was literally a few weeks before shaking on my doorstep from fear. Wow. Yeah. So this is the holistic, seeing the whole person, seeing their whole potential and allowing them to see that too. Wow.
0: That's incredible.
1: If she's going to be delivering that next round of babies, so she's only 14, so say in 10 years' time, she's graduated Mm -hmm. and everything, in the next decade, right? In the next decade, in 2030. Can you imagine the vibration of the babies coming through then? Oh, my gosh, yeah. And so can you imagine if they're delivered by a young person like her, who's already got this stuff, at 15. Yeah, that's amazing. That's the ripple effect. Mm-hmm. That just
0: shows even more the importance of not just focusing on passing the next test and making the grades and getting deeper than that. And like you said, that's, that's important too, but there's more. Yeah, yeah. There's so much more for true resilience and for, you know, living the best life that we can live and having, kind of using that higher vibration that we're all striving for well most of us maybe and that some are born with
1: yeah exactly and I mean on some of our things you know um like she was talking to me she came one day and it was probably her menstrual cycle or whatever and she was a bit like oh I don't feel so good today and I'm like, OK, you know, and she said, oh, yeah, I'm putting my crystals out tonight. And I said, oh, yes, yeah, the full moon, you know, and that's mm. a good time to be activating your crystals. She loved it that I could say that in the next breath and then go, right, let's think about X, Y, Z. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And then um, and she's like, I said, oh, yes, I said, I've just put a post in that in my sacred full moon healing circle. She's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is the thing that kids are ready. Yes. The parents are blinkered. The teachers are blinkered. Society is mm-hmm. blinkered. Wake up and look at what is around you right now. Yes. What are the conversations you can have with young people?
0: Oh, yeah, that's so good. And for those of y'all that didn't hear Claire when she was here before, Switched On Academy also has courses and workshops for the moms as well and i was looking on the website and i saw that right now there's one up for chakras there's one up for astrology
1: that's so cool yes Yes, um, I'm doing the Shepherd's Course for Mums. I've just um, written that. So that's going to be, I'm posting that up onto the website probably in the next couple of weeks. And uh, yeah, the way I work is that I only create the course once I've got enough people interested. Mm -hmm. So if it says coming soon on the website, but you are interested, all you have to do is click the coming soon button and it will just ask you for your, your name and your email address. And that way I know to contact you, Right? When I'm actually doing the course and then you come through it with me as a beta tester for a lower cost. And we mm-hmm. co-create together. That's how I've been making the Academy all the way along. Oh, I love that. And you have a brand new course that's coming in September? I do. Yes. This has been kind of downloaded. This is, it's, it's a very grounded course. This is um, a complete writing curriculum for kids and it covers, uh, it's a year's membership if people want to stay for the whole year. It covers 12 different kinds of writing in three main styles, writing to persuade, writing to inform and writing to entertain. And it it's um, lots and lots of different, 12 different, you know, there's, a each, there's one each month, different kinds of writing and downloadable workbooks, Q and A's, uh, spelling, punctuation and grammar support. Parents also get time to socialize. There's a little mm. parents evening. Um, and so there's all sorts of things like that going on. And that really is not so much as a sort of high vibrational thing. That's to provide this consistency. Because yeah. I was fed up, Mella. I was cross actually at how parents and children have been pushed from pillar to post, promised things that didn't happen, schools mm. opening, schools closing teachers Mm -hmm. delivering, teachers not delivering, and this huge gap of learning that's happened in the last year. And I was like, this is a parent's secret arsenal. So you can basically tick that box and go, well, at least I know the language learning is done for the next year. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, because communication is key. Communication is key. These communication skills, these young people, the empaths, the intuitives, the light leaders of the future, they are going to have to, have intelligent communication skills. Yes,
0: that is so true. I love what you do, Claire. And that's why I was so excited when you wanted to come on again. And I hope people are just really taking what you're saying and applying it however they can to their lives, going to your website, where can they find that? So that's just uh, uh, switchedonglobal.com. Tell
1: us again, where all we can find you. So I'm on Facebook. Uh, I've got a, a home education hub, which supports people from around the world who are educating their children at home, whether it's homework support, lockdown learning, or homeschooling, no schooling, flexi schooling, world schooling, whatever schooling you want. Home education hub is on Facebook, loads and loads of free resources. And then I also have a Facebook page, Coaching and Teaching with Claire Ford, which is also called Switched On Collective. So there's loads of stuff on there as well. Yeah. So just, just reach out to me. You'll find me on social media, Claire Ford, switched on, just reach out, pop me a message and, you know, we can have a conversation see how I can support your family. Or if there's any free resources I can point you to, more than happy to do that as well.
0: Awesome. Claire, thank you so much for coming back to chat with us.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Mello. It's great to be here as always i would really love to hear what the listeners think about
0: our conversation you go to our web page you can leave messages right there on this episode's page and if you click that microphone you can even send me a voice message and if y'all have a lot of questions maybe we can bring claire back and i can ask the questions that you send me so there's all sorts of things we can do i just want to hear from you you know what are you struggling with what questions you have I also want to remind you to mark your calendars for November 13th, 2021. That's our first virtual Witchy Daylong Conference. You are invited. You can find information about the Green Wild Festival for Witches and Mystics on the link that I've provided in the show notes. I hope you'll be there with me. Y'all take care and be blessed. Thank you all for listening to Bell Book and Candle. You can follow Mella on Instagram and Facebook at bellbookcandlesc. That's Bell, B-E-L-L-E. Or become a patron at patreon.com forward slash bellbookcandle.